Howdy, Fat Guy Forum listeners. Before we get into this week's episode, just a reminder that there is a great way for you to support the podcast and keep it going, and that's by joining the Fat Guy Forum Patreon that you can find at patreon.com slash gourmetgoesketo. I use all the funds from the Patreon to go for the subscriptions and equipment that are used on the podcast, and if you join now, you will have the opportunity to be a part of helping decide the direction of the podcast as we dive into some new topics and try out a few new things. So I look forward to having you on board. Sign up today. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Fat Guy Forum. This is your host, Gourmet, and I am excited to have you with us once again. I always say I'm excited, but it's true. I'm, I'm just always excited to be able to connect with all of you and connect with some great people. And I think our, our guest today has a, a really kind of amazing, powerful story that I'm excited for you to hear, uh, but I also think you'll be able to take some lessons away from. So I don't want to take us too far, you know, just to have me ramble for too long. Let's say howdy. Our guest today is Batista Locatelli. How are you doing, man? Good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get into it. So let's let's not keep it from the people any longer. The first question I ask every guest is, tell us what qualifies you to be on the Fat Guy Forum. Well, um, so it just the the actual name of the Fat Guy Forum reminds me of how I identified. We there was a group of us in high school, and we used to call each other the Fat Kids, and we were like Fat Kids rule, Fat Kids are amazing, Fat Kids superstars, and we were all in choir, we were all in theater, and it, I think it was kind of our way of masking the fact that you know we were fat, and it was a way to kind of laugh at it too. You know, and because there was like plant, there was more of us, we could actually uh, laugh at it. But anywho, what really qualifies me um, to be in the Fat Guy Forum um, would definitely be the fact that I've struggled with weight my entire life, um, and upwards of, I guess, geez, I think at my highest, I want to say it was like three hundred and nearing three forties. Um, I'm about five eleven. A five ten and a half. Um, I guess my BMI says I'm supposed to be at one eighty or something like that. But um, I na- I kind of am around two hundred pounds, and that's my happy place because if I go any smaller, I don't know. I start to look really, really deflated and like that skinny fat. Anyways, um, but yeah. So and my my struggles with weight um, go all the way back to probably when. I was a child. Um, there's pictures of me as like a little toddler, and I have gigantic like family size boxes of Captain Crunch, and that was kind of my babysitter was Captain Crunch, He Man, and a diaper. And they, as long as I had those components, then I was good to go. Um, you know, and so starting off really young, I had an addiction. I can remember like early on, like needing Captain Crunch, otherwise I was gonna lose my 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 marbles. And um so anyways, um this kind of becomes not only a way of coping emotionally, but it also becomes like a thread throughout my entire life. It's something that I keep turning to over and over and over again, cycle after cycle, repetitive motion after repetitive motion. And it's um not only sugar addiction, but it's like food equals you no know, um, love. 
for food equals all this other stuff. And my, my, my entire life um, is kind of traumatic. It's not, you know, the, the normal Brady Bunch, leave it to Beaver. Up, um, and that's something I think I was really jealous of other people having growing up. Um, but I didn't have that. I grew up in a household with um, two addicts as parents. Uh, mom was 18 when she had me. Dad was uh, 15. They both were already addicted to cocaine and um, se- selling it. My dad at the time was shooting up. He was doing angel dust. Um, and so I, I was kind of brought into this mayhem and this chaos. And so they couldn't keep their relationship stable because of the substance use. And so I was kind of in and out, in and out, in and out of um, trauma. I also you know, was sexually molested as a child for a little over a decade by multiple people. And there was drugs involved with all that stuff. Not me personally, but the people that were, uh, that was, um, you know, violating me. And so that went on and there was all this like hidden um, secrets that I kept from society because I would, I would get into, I would go to school and I would behave one way. I would really excel at every single thing that I did. It was straight A's. It was on a roll. I was an advanced placement. I was like, uh, you know, vice president of student body. I was doing theater. I was doing choir. Like I was traveling with the choir to all these different parts of the country. Um, Go, 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 go. And then I'd get home and there was um, the home life was just chaotic. My mom suffers from a lot of mental illness and some of her manic swings, um, depending on how my dad was treating her, there would be like windows blown out. She would write curse words and on the carpet and mustard. It was like, you just never knew what you were coming home to. Um, and so that instability, um, I just remember, you know, like I was always on the, the, what do you call it? The welfare program at school. So I got free breakfast and I'd go in there and it was always super unhealthy. It was like, you know, these really amazing cinnamon glazed donuts. And they, and of course, you know, I got there early so I could have like seven or eight of them. It wasn't like, um, um, I just was okay with the one or whatever they gave you. Um, so it turned into this like escape, you know? And, um, it kind of just graduated and in high school it was really intense at that time i was with my mom and my stepdad my stepdad was uh selling methamphetamines for the hell's angels and so we had pounds of it in our freezer at that point i think i was nearing over i was definitely closer to the 340 mark and um and so uh, at that point i was taco bell doritos uh mountain dew and there was like several uh, drive-through runs, you know. I was just introduced to marijuana at that time. And so me and munchies, that was like a whole new thing I never explored. And the fact that, you know, I had a job, I had my own income, I could spend all this money because I wasn't paying for rent, you know, on food. It was amazing. And um, secretly, I started like being a secret eater, you know, like where I would just get like, couple combo meals, you know, it wasn't. And, um, and I'd come home and there would be this whole ritual. I'm going to eat all, all the stuff that goes soggy first, <laughs> like, and then the crunchy stuff I'll eat last. And, um, then always wash it back with like gigantic, like family size Mountain Dew. And, um, so I ballooned up and, um, 
And I was probably, you know, there was a, there was several times in my life um, that by stuffing this pain and also looking the way that I did, um, I was, I, you know, I was borderline suicidal, you know, like it wasn't just the fact that I was heavy. It was the fact that the family was telling me I'm going to die of heart disease. Like just all this added stress that made me want to do it even more, you know? And um, about this time, I, uh, there was a, there was one turning point around that time. Um, I, I went to go to graduation. They, they measure you for your cap and gown. So it's all ready for graduation. So when you walk and uh, the lady says to me, um, you know, we got a special order of yours. Well, my friends were like out in the hallway and I was like, what? And they're like, yeah, we don't even have your size. And I was like, oh, okay. I was really embarrassed. And um, so I went back with my friends and I didn't say anything about it, but there was something mental that clicked like, cause I, I really didn't see that. Everyone loved me and I was kind of charismatic. I'm a very outgoing person. Um, uh, I'm definitely an extrovert. And so, um, you know, people never, I wasn't in school and bullied. They were just like, oh, there's Batista, like the fun guy. He's like everyone's friend, blah, blah, blah. Um, I was, nobody was ever like, you big old, you know, fat ass or none of that stuff ever really happened. I think, I don't know. So uh, I was then introduced to uh, my senior year of high school, 1995. I was introduced to um, methamphetamines and, um, God, I, I believe that I felt like I had arrived. Uh, meanwhile, just to backtrack real fast, in, in my childhood and my junior high years, my grandmother and grandfather countless times paid ton, hundreds of dollars to send me to Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers. And I remember sitting in these rooms with all these mid, middle-aged women that were like tracking macros and all this stuff. And I was so over it. I, I thought I was broken. I was like, what is wrong? Like, I want to go play with my friends and go be a kid. And here I am like doing my weekly weigh in and, you know, like you're going to get all these frozen meals and you're going to eat it. And I'm like, what? Like, I don't want, like, I don't know. I just felt so broken. Like what, you know, just, I don't know. It just didn't add up. So methamphetamine. Well, I mean, well, you look at you look at your friends at that time. Like none of them were getting handed boxes of of meals, and you know, I know what those meetings are like. I you know I was in the Weight Watchers meetings as a teenager as well. Like it's a it's not necessarily an environment that is is set up for someone of that age. Like it's it's much more about like you said, middle aged women. Like the message they're giving is not something that is going to relate to what you're you're going through. You know, never mind that they have no idea everything else that you're actually going through. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm going through puberty. <laughs> like, you know, I'm, I'm basically coming into um, my own um, identification as a young gay man. Like there, God, there was so much confusion going on. It was insane. But um, yeah, I was introduced to methamphetamines and I really, really felt like I had arrived in regards to within a couple weeks, boom, weight was just dropping. I was size 44, 40, 40, 45 waist. Um, I was a 4X shirt. Um, and then all of a sudden I'm doing methamphetamines and I have this appetite suppressant that is insane. And um, my friends didn't want me to try it and I tried it and I got hooked. And uh, I, I started doing every single thing that I told myself I would never do. And it started to become my new norm. And uh, so I dropped 
close to 120 pounds, probably within a couple months, really, really fast. And um, so, and, uh, you know, I'm young. And so the way, you know, with methamphetamines, you don't ever sleep. And the way that you bounce back um, when you're younger is a lot easier because you have that skin and you don't get dark circles and not really sleeping doesn't really bug you. You are a little mental because you're exhausted, but um, it was like I was fun a functioning meth addict. I was still going to work, still paying my rent and freshly graduated from high school. So um, that got me into homelessness though. I did eventually get to homelessness. And in, while I was um, living underneath the bleachers at Las Vegas High School at the 50-yard line on some cardboard boxes uh, with some really old homeless people that were crazy, uh, I went to go get methamphetamines one night, and they uh, didn't have it. And they said, well, we have this other stuff called crack. And I was like, well, just give it to me. And so um, from there, I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea what addiction was until that first hit of crack cocaine, because there was definitely not enough crack cocaine on this planet to satiate that itch. And there, um, and the, the obsession and compulsion of that was a next level. Also the, the, the high that I got from it was so amazing for about six minutes. And then it's, then you're done and your heart's just palpitating and you're like, you have all these side effects. And so, um, you just want to keep that dream alive. And in order to do that, you have to get more and get more and get more and get more. And then you start to do things to get more and it just becomes ridiculous. So this leads me into a world of crime where, um, basically, uh, long story short with that, I, went into my grandfather and i have the same name and so i went into bank of america we both have bank accounts at bank of america and the guy gave me a debit card to my grandfather's bank account and i started pulling out money out of my grandpa's bank account um uh, we have the exact same name so it was like really i don't know it was kind of flub up on the bank's part but they ended up giving me five grand over the course of a week and i spend it all on crack and i get arrested and i go to prison for two years my grandfather like uh drops charges but the state picks it up because it's federal and so went to prison for two years and uh um you know i just don't it look like i fit there i look like this like little chubby um you know, Mormon return missionary. And like, they're all like, what are you doing here? This little, this little blonde gay guy. And so I'm in a prison and um, I start to run and I start to do restrictive eating. And, um, and so I'm at the, you know, chow line and everyone's getting food. And um, I decide, you know, cause back then at was the big thing so i'm gonna do all protein right so i'm gonna eat all the protein and i'm gonna give you guys my um bread and my cakes and everything i would have treats here and there um you know i'd have like a little york mint peppermint patty and i would eat on that for like a week just one patty i'd have like a little nibble and um so and then i was running two to three miles a day with a plastic garbage bag over me so that i could sweat more and um <laughs> just insanity when i look back at my poor my poor little my poor little spirit has always been struggling with this and so what i love is anyway, you know so i, I one i appreciate I, I appreciate your you're sharing all these details and i know because what i love is you you hear all the time on social media saying people saying oh if i could just go to prison or i could just be put in a facility you know that would be the ideal way, place for me to lose weight and you're like 
okay, this is really yeah. what this is really what happens when you do it. Like let's look, you know, let's actually look yeah. at what was happening. Well, because you know, um, do I call you Gormy? Is that okay? Okay. Um, well, uh, what happens is obviously there's something internally, right, that's broken, and um, um, and th- that's what I'm at 44 years old. That's what I'm starting to understand is that there's this, there's really this poor relationship with nutrition in general. Number one, number two, um, there's really this like disconnect with. Um, And there's a lot of punishment. So, you know, my self-worth and my confidence, if I don't have that, um, then then I'm going to punish myself. I'm going to restrict and I'm going to do calorie restriction and I'm going to do fat restriction and I'm going to do, you know, instead of like just loving myself for where I'm at and... um, We'll talk about that later in the journey where I'm at today. But anyway, so I get out of prison and then I, um, uh, you know, I do really well and I, and on parole and the guy's like, God, you're doing amazing and all your fines are paid. So the parole officer lets me off and he's like, you're one of my best parole parolees. And I'm like, well, thank you. And he's like, so we're going to give you early discharge. They do that. About two weeks later, I'm working at my dad, just bought a like $2 million bar in Las Vegas in Green Valley. And it's this huge, gigantic space, a huge aquarium. He, My dad launches off. He's like in debt up to his ears. I'm doing his books. Um, and all the restaurant crews in general are always party animals. And the lifestyle in restaurant crews, you know, I just grew up with it. They're usually going to be doing Jaeger bombs and Irish car bombs. And there's going to be Mary marijuana usually and then on the weekends if you're lucky someone's got a bag of cocaine and so that kind of started coming back into my life and uh once again i sustained that life for about um 10 years now when i got out of prison i looked like something from uh, like auschwitz i i look back at pictures and literally you can see my skeletal bones from my from my skull. I'm so like emaciated, uh, absolutely positively, you know, some type of eating disorder. Like, um, and it's sad because uh, I thought I looked good, you know, and I, I was in a size almost 32 and, um, you know, and, and I was, and I was clean and sober before, before I started partying, I was clean and sober. So I was going out to all the gay bars and I remember thinking to myself, and I wasn't drinking alcohol. I was just like, you know, and I, nobody was interested. And I remember thinking I'm broken. Nobody's ever going to love me. Nobody. Now that I got skinny, I got skinny for all of you people to love me and nobody's loving me. And, um, I thought to myself, God, you know, am I ever going to find love? Like everyone's got these relationships and I want a relationship. And, you know, um, you know, of course, in my mind, the biggest problem for me to get a relationship was that I wasn't like every other gay guy, which was like this picture put, you know, this calendar representation of this whatever this physique that was working out in the gym 24 7 and lightly tanned and you know just beautiful this that and the other this goddess and like i didn't i didn't have that you know here i was lost 100 pounds i thought i i thought i had something to give but it was all external and so um anyway so i do the 10 years of maintenance marijuana maintenance and you know uh basically you know, I was functioning. Um, I did gain um, probably 20 to 30 pounds. So now I'm, so at my lightest out of prison, I got down to 160 something-ish. 
And um, just, God, it was so weird. I look, I'd, I'd even look like myself. It was so weird. And um, I looked like Karen Carpenter, you know, back in the days. And um, so, uh, anywho, during that 10 years, I had 20 to 30 pounds I gained back. And um, I was working out about three times a week cardio. And I was doing pretty much Atkins. Um, this is before the whole keto wave, you know, we called it Atkins back then, you know, chicken wings and ran, I'd go to the bar and I'd get like a, a, a Mick ultra cause it was lower in carbs and like, you know, the chicken wings with the ranch or blue cheese and whatever. And, um, so I did that for 10 years and luckily I didn't get too much heavier. Well then, um, uh, got into cocaine a little bit harder and then, you know, ultimately when you, as a drug addict, when you have reached a high with something and your dopamine, your serotonin gets that that bing bing moment, you always end up gravitating toward back towards it and then you go past it a little bit. Um, and so what they say in 12 Steps, Narcotics Anonymous, which I'm a member of, they say, you know, your disease is always doing push-ups outside waiting for you. And it's a progressive disease, meaning you always pick up where you left off. And so um, so that was kind of my case. And I, you know, eventually the powder cocaine wasn't doing it. And one night I'm coming home with a, a, a bunch of money in my pocket. It was New Year's Eve. I had $600 in my pocket and uh, made a bunch of tips. And I went to the gay bar and I got out of the gay bar and um, I got gay bashed by three uh, men. They came over, they scaled over the walls. Uh, the one guy got me onto the ground um, and steel toe boots. He's checking into my jaw. So my jaw is like shattering in a million places. Um, I have another like knee in my back. My clothes are being ripped off me. They're being thrown into paradise, which is like a main way to McCarran airport. I'm like uh, my ID, they're looking for money, everything. And, um, so what do I do? You know, I go out naked into the main street. I get all my clothes back together after they split. You know, the valet lady came out. They split. Um, she wants to call the cops and do a report. I just want to get my stuff together and leave. So I get my stuff together. I, I get on the bus. I, I'm, you know, got, you know, ripped clothes on me and like my dad's like Christmas present and the leather jacket. And I just remember my jaw wouldn't line up. And um, and I joke about this too because to make light of it, it they they ended up wiring my jaw shut for a couple months. And that was the best diet ever, <laughs> you know, because I literally could make milkshakes all day long and drink them, and I was still losing weight. So, anyways, um, liquid diet, I guess. And so during this time, it's so sad. Um, my jaw's wired, and I'm still smoking crack cocaine. Okay. And I am drinking liquid um, hydrocodone. And um, so this is like my new, and I'm going to work every day, you know, and, um, and then I get off work and, and, oh, and I was on house arrest, you know, so there's, it's just the insanity of where I, I push my limits. And so this goes on and the, um, uh, let's see, where was I at? So basically, um, my dad owns a restaurant. I eat there and he tries to get me help. Um, that doesn't work. And so um, uh, I get back into crack cocaine 
really bad. And finally, my dad and my grandfather sell the, the, they have a restaurant in Vegas. It's the oldest Italian restaurant. And it was built in 1958. Um, he's had the likes of like, I don't know, Frank Sinatra, Dean Martin, Ronald Reagan, um, uh, tons of celebrities have come through my grandpa's restaurant. And so I was born and raised there and uh, Clint Eastwood, um, you know, just, um, uh, Natalie Wood, uh, Betty Grable. Anyway, so it's, it's an iconic restaurant. They sell, they moved to Southern Utah and I called my dad and I said, I need help. Um, I need to get away from, from crack. And he's like, come on out here. So, um, basically I, uh, come out and I can't find crack in Southern Utah. So I get, uh, become a really raging alcoholic and, um, very secretive about my alcohol. I'm downstairs doing shots of vodka and Gatorade and I'm going upstairs with the family and I'm drinking wine and beer and they don't know what I'm doing downstairs. And so anyways, my probation officer in Utah comes over and says, you have a problem. He breathalyzes me. He says, you got five days to get into rehab. Otherwise I'm taking you in. Uh, I call my grandma. She puts 500 bucks down on a rehab facility. I get in and I have my first like break from Batista and the addiction. And so, and I get to learn about powerlessness and unmanageability and kind of um, how there's some type of allergy in me that um, when I have something, I want more of it. And where a normal person has some marijuana, then they get paranoid and they don't ever touch it again. Instead, I'm like, let's get really weird. I want to get weirder, you know, or some people will have a drink and they have a couple sips and they're like, good, I'm feeling tipsy. And I'm like, that's like, that's where I, that's my first gear. You know, I want to drink to get drunk. Um, same thing. And I'm finding this, I never addressed it because for a, over a decade now, I've been addressing drugs and alcohol, but I never, never dawned on me to address food. And um, because everyone's telling you in early recovery from drugs and alcohol, they're saying, you know, just eat, eat. You've been on the meth pipe, you know, for a while. Just eat, you know, get your body back. And I'm like, okay. So, you know, I'll, I'll take that advice. I'll do exactly what you say. And um, while in treatment, I, I, looking back, I can see where this sugar, major sugar addiction um, comes into play. And in treatment back then, this is before they had this nutritional over, uh, overhaul at the treatment center that I now intern at. But um, they, uh, they basically, um, you know, would give you mashed potatoes and gravy and stuffing and corn, everything that was just processed and packaged and stro beef stroganoff hamburger helper and, you know, and just, you know, and you could have the biggest plates that you wanted and you're doing all these assignments on, you know, the first time I got molested and you're doing all this emotional footwork and um, why not, you know, eat five, you know, snack size Snickers and because um, it feels good and that dopamine and it feels good, you know, because I don't want to this information from my past. So food, I then get back up to 340. Okay, so yeah, um, I got out of treatment and I was like the 340-ish pounds. And, um, you know, I so so I, I, I'm recognizing that I have a food problem and I'm telling myself, okay, I'm going to do keto. And keto at this time was like the new thing. And um, I start doing keto. This is in 2009. And uh, so 
no, not keto. Back then, I'm sorry, I take that back. It was it was Atkins, and um, so I start doing that. And about two months into Atkins, I'm having okay um, results. And but then all these women in Southern Utah were HCG, 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 and I'm like, uh, you know, they're like, you got to get it, and it costs this much money. You got to pay a couple hundred dollars. You get these shots, and you you shoot yourself in your stomach. And you eat 500 calories a day. And, you know, there's this whole whatever. There's, it's a protocol and blah, 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 blah. And it's so restrictive. And, I, and at the time, you know, this is how when you have a broken relationship with food, you think that this is okay. You think it's normal. Of course, it's going to give you instant results because you're starving yourself. 500 calories a day, that's 3.5 ounces of bison or 3.5 ounces of, uh, you know, chicken or shrimp. And then you have a Roma tomato and you have half a cucumber. And if you are uh, not extreme, you do half a grapefruit and, and an apple a day and that's it. Oh, and two Melba toast. And um, yeah, <laughs> the Melba toast, right? That's just reminds me of diets in the eighties. Got to have your Melba toast and grapefruit um, and your little cup of yogurt or whatever. So they, so yeah, that, that becomes my new norm and I'm losing like crazy and everyone's cheering me on. Oh, you're cleaning off drugs and alcohol and you're losing weight. You're just remarkable. So I get into, um, I'm at Southern Utah university and, um, I get in and I am, uh, in the communications department and, uh, I have a radio show. I'm working on the, uh, the college, uh, news station and I'm learning how to like, uh, do international film festivals and learning how to create movies and content. And it was really fun in 2009. And I get into an ATV accident. Um, and the driver drives into a tree at 30 miles an hour and I go through the windshield, my radius snaps, my ulna comes through the wrist section. Um, I basically have to do two reconstructive surgeries during this time. I'm placed back on pain management and, um, at two and a half years clean, I'm now on pain pills on the regular because I'm getting titanium steel put into my arm. They're pulling uh, lig uh, tendons and nerves out of my left leg. I'm having to go up to Salt Lake city like several times a year. Um, they put me on disability, um, so, um, as a drug addict does, you know, I'm on pain pills. So when the pain pills get boring and at this time I'm doing, uh, Percocet, Loratab, Soma, Xanax, Klonopin in a cocktail and I'm going to classes and, uh, it was ridiculous, you know? So, um, when that doesn't seem good anymore, then I get, you know, on meth. And so I get back on meth that takes me to, I'm in a relationship at that time. I'm secretly doing meth. I was with the guy for about nine years. He was cheating on me. He introduces me to the guy that he's cheating with. Um, several times we go to lunch. I think it's a coworker. It's really his, you know, other, you know, Sancho. And um, had no idea. I find emails that basically conclude that they've been having an affair for two years and been getting hotel rooms right around the corner from our house. You know, we just bought a house together. And so I'm just sitting there and I remember thinking when I learned all this information, like it's something inside me cracked. Okay. Once again, I'm not worth it. Right. Once again, I'm never going to be lovable. No, no one's ever going to love me. Um, no. And you know, so, oh, and then the other, the other message my head tells me is, um, you know, I got, I got skinny for you. I got clean. So why am I restricting or watching what I'm eating? If you're out there 
fooling around with another guy. So I, you know, started hitting the meth pipe again really hard. And I said, you know, you're going to hurt me. I'll show you all hurt me. And I thought to myself too, also, you know, this is insanity. This is just absolute insanity. I thought you're going to hurt me with this other guy. Well, you want to see crazy. Wait till you see me on methamphetamines. So I started drinking vodka um, and doing meth, the vodka to come down on. And um, so he basically gets to the point where he gets a protective order, gets me out of the house, serves me papers. I go back to treatment to try to save the relationship, um, all for the wrong reasons. And uh, I get out and it doesn't work. He gets me off the title, kind of whatever, screws me out of $12,000. And so I go back to using hardcore again. This now takes me to coming to recent times where, uh, you know, um, I was on methamphetamines. I was living in my mom's house. Uh, She was doing pain pills and smoking marijuana. Um, And um, I get to the point where I'm being um, supplied by the Hells Angels. So it's very scary. You know, they come in, they have cameras inside my house to make sure who's coming and going. They log, right? We have these brand new security systems because they're investing a lot of money in me as a drug dealer. They show up on their Harley Davidsons. It's like intense. The whole neighborhood gets locked down. Yeah, task force knows like about my activity. Um, I have like several feds that are coming in undercover and I had no idea looking back. They have all this like recorded information on me. Um, And basically they were trying to indict these other people, but you know, I was like this, I was considered what they call a safe house. They put, you know, uh, concrete like uh, safes. They like bolted the safes to the concrete. They have all this money in there. We have new codes. Um, My mom's like turning a blind eye because she's getting her substances. And, um, and eventually I start selling heroin and um, it, uh, I had no idea what I was getting myself into. And, um, y- you know, and I thought I was this bougie, like meth head, you know, because I was drinking, uh, uh you know, Moscato with blueberries in it. <laughs> like I was just, I had so many mental issues. So I, um, basically I'm selling heroin and, uh, it becomes it, just out of control. And, um, you know, people knocking on my window at 2.30 in the morning because they're sick. And, uh, you know, I had no idea what the the um, uh, opioid epidemic was. And so Task Force comes to my house the first time. They can't find anything because the guys that were supplying me hid everything really well. And so, but the guy that was in charge of Task Force says to me, I really want you to know something. I see your value. And I see your worth. He's like, you and I had classes together at Southern Utah University. You probably don't remember. I'm criminal justice. You were going into communications, but we did some core classes together. And he goes, now I work for task force, but I want you to know I remember that A-plus student. I remember the kid that was like doing all these amazing radio shows and like winning at the national broadcasting convention. And he's like, why, what are you, what are you doing with your life? Why are you doing this? And I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. I've just, I'm in too deep now, you know, and I can't get out of it. It's like almost like being in a gang and in order to get out of the gang, you know, you had to like get arrested. And so um, he's like, I'm going to try to find a way for you out of this. And so long story short, um, they, uh, I, it gets really bad. I get into IV using, um, 
I get into uh, using dirty needles. I get into sharing needles. I get into um, using the substance that my friends in the neighborhood were dying from. And I'm going to their funeral and I'm going back home. Like they overdose on heroin and I go to the service and then I go home and use the exact same substance that they just died from. And, um, and so anyways, the last day um, I go, I walk into to court and um, I am uh, um, uh, just insane. And they say that you have to come back at a later court date. And I get arrested that day. Task force comes to my house and they bust me. And it's the very first day of this journey. And so now I have about five or no, sorry, I'll have five years clean and sober in on September 20th. If I stay, stay clean till September 20th. And, um, during this journey, um, five years, I, uh, it started keto. I got on to, I started watching YouTube and I started watching obese to beast. I love him. I just love his personality. Um, I started watching keto connect and I started watching, you know, like all the YouTube keto, whatever, um, keto rewind. Um, and I started like trying to figure out, okay, I got to replicate what they're doing. Right. And so, um, I started walking outdoor at the track. Um, and I would walk a walk a mile, I mean, walk a lap, a quarter mile, and I'd run, you know, just, and then every week I would add one more run. And so just baby steps. And, uh, um, I started losing a pound to two and a half, sometimes three pounds a week. Um, I also started getting back into this unhealthy, restrictive crazy again. I'm like, if I didn't get the results one week, then I was like, okay, I start, I better start measuring my meat. I better start just having meat and veggie and that's it. And then I'd come home and have like some dessert, like protein shake. Um, anyways, so I halfway through this journey, I get back on HCG and, um, I started uh, being restrictive again. And, uh, you know, of course, you see the results, right? And um, so I've kind of, um, about, let's see, a year and a half ago, I lost um, 80 pounds. So I had about, I don't know, 24 more to go. Um, Every time I'd get off of HCG, though, I would do this... um, they had a maintenance program and this lady, uh, her name's HCG Chica. She sells this hundred dollar like maintenance program. And it's like a seven, eight week course. And they, she reincorporates carbohydrates and fats and all this stuff. I did it and it worked. I actually started, uh, every week raising, you know, like reverse dieting. I started like raising my macros and stuff. And, and I was going from 500 calories up to 2,200 calories. And I was cauliflower rice, everything, miracle noodle this. Um, and uh, so, but I was, I was happy because I had this wide range of um, food choices and stuff. Um, the only problem that I was noticing is that um, I was feeling like a lot of joint pain and a lot of like um, kind of fatigue, and um, and I am now understanding by talking to a lot of people and also talking um, through direct message with your coach, um, the Keto Road, um, the that you know, like it's okay to heal, and I'm metabolically damaged. I'm like like I'm hella metabolically damaged, you know. 
and it's going to take a minute. And if I gain some weight, that's okay. That's your body saying like, whoa, we have had nothing to feed on. We've been feasting off of your body forever. And so we're going to probably hold on to some of this. And uh, because we don't know if you're going to do this again to us, <laughs> you know, and so it's kind of been a journey and I found carnivore, my partner, um, uh, Brandon, he is just an amazing person and, uh, he's a good guy, but I found him homeless on meth and, you know, I don't know, like, it's just, we laugh about it in Narcotics Anonymous, you know, that we're always attracted to the really sick ones because we think we can save them. And, um, so anyways he was homeless on meth and i was like you know i'll love you till you can love yourself and we'll get you on the straight and narrow so anyways he ended up going through rehab he got help we uh, didn't date for a year we're just friends and we've slowly matured into like having a relationship but he gained uh 140 pounds himself and uh so and i was going the opposite direction i was losing and um so one day he comes to me he's like we got back from san francisco and he's like i need help He's like, what do I do? And I'm like, let's just start with cutting out these pastas and grains and your gallon of milk a day addiction. And um, so um, he said, okay. And I said, I'm about ready to try carnivore. And he's like, you are? And I said, yeah, I'm going to give it a shot. I go, I'm just going to give it a whirl and see what happens. He says, okay, I'll do it with you. He goes, I'll buy the food if you'll prepare it. Because he works two full-time jobs. And I'm a student and I work, but not as much as him. So um, I said, okay. So we went to Costco. We uh, got into, you know, just bought meat by the by, by the pounds. And, uh, and, you know, I was starting to kind of research a little bit more like, oh, you and the butcher is being really cool. Like I started developing a relationship with the butcher, which is like this whole new relationship I'd never had. He's like, yeah, if you want the fat marbleized a little better, you're like you should get prime and it's a little bit more money, but it tastes better. Da, da, da. I had no idea what, you know, that any of this new world looked like. And, um, but I'm kind of, I was loving it because I'm having bacon and eggs for breakfast. Okay. Like who doesn't like bacon and eggs? I don't know. That's, that's my train of thought. And I'm having hamburger patties. And yeah, we're having, we were kind of, we were condiment like whores in the beginning. We were like sugar-free ketchup, you know, the G, G Hughes, everything. You got to watch those because some of those yum yum sauces and the cluckadoo sauces are like 100 calories for a couple tablespoons. But anyways, um, the, um, so, you know, so we're doing meat, we're doing condiments. Uh, you know, um, I'm doing almond, almond milk, coconut milk, and a lot of sweeteners, sugar-free sweeteners and creamers in my coffee and the super coffee, you know, 80 keto Aaron got me on that super coffee creamer kick. And, um, but you know, like half my glasses creamer and, um, everything's in kind of an excess. So these, you start to find friends in the community that are kind of going through the same things that you're going through. And um, they're really genuinely nice people. And they just, um, you know, some of them have learned some information that works for them. Some of them don't, you know, like between you and Aaron and the Keto Road, um, 80 Keto, and you, like your pages, I, I used to like, you know, you know, I'm fangirling over here because I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I... I'm reaching out and you guys are reaching back. And I'm like, what? You know, um, I remember the first time I asked Aaron, like, how do I, how do I edit something? Or 
I think I asked him and Keto Snacks, um, Irik, I said, should I should I do a page? And he's they're like, yeah, just jump out there and do it. Get get going. And I'm like, okay. So um, you know, the journey has been really cool. We we got introduced to a 30 day right before the July meet um challenge. We got introduced to a some like somebody else was doing a 30 day beef challenge. And so um I I said to Brandon, I go, let's do it. Well, he's a stickler for rules and regulations. And uh so he's like, okay, it's only beef, no pork, and we're no eggs. And we're just going to do beef and, you know, we're, we're not doing sweeteners. We're not even going to do stevia. We're not doing almond milk in your coffee. We're going to do black. Coffee. So we've been, and I, I, I did it, I think with reluctance because I've been maintaining by doing a lot of that stuff. And those are my, like my treats today, you know, but, um, the keto world is something that I love and I live for, but I have to be very careful in keto because in my keto crate, in the Walmart aisles, there's Duncan Hines. You know, I could eat a, a pint of Rebel ice cream every single day. I could eat Halo Top. I could eat the, you know, whatever, the General Mills cereal that they have out now that looks like Captain Crunch. I could eat, you know, Magic Spoon. I could eat the whole box in one sitting. And, like, I think their serving size is, like, two tablespoons or something. <laughs> you know, it's a little ridiculous. But um, because I'm, you know... That's where my happy place is, is all those comfort foods. So to get to a place where I eliminate everything is different for me. Um, I was starting to feel amazing. I have never felt this good in my entire life. This mental clarity, uh, mind you, during this four and a half years, I've been on 13 mental health medications, um, Abilify, um, uh, I was on Seroquel for a minute. Um, I was on Trazodone, I, all non-narcotics, but they do stabilize your mood, but they almost make you feel like nothing. You don't feel happy, sad or anything. Um, I am now off all 13 of them with the help of my, uh, psychiatrist and two, uh, support counselors, therapists. Uh, we've also been doing EMDR and DBT, which is therapeutic services, but, um, I uh, got off my mental health medica medications and, uh, you know, I'm eating ribeyes every day and um, I don't do MCT oil anymore. I just get fat from animal products. Um, I eat bacon. I mean, I'm not eating bacon now, but I will be in about a week and a half. Um, let's see. Um, my mental clarity. Oh, there's this calmness too. I'm a, I was on panic. I have panic disorder and anxiety disorder, ADHD. A lot of that's from the, the, the meth usage. And um, um, I have this Zen. They, I don't know. I just don't like it to get into some of these. I, I just, I don't know. I hate repeating them, but they call it carnivore Zen. It just sounds cheesy. You know, it's like steak smirk. Um, <laughs> you know, but so they call it carnivore Zen, but it's just this peacefulness and this calmness. Normally, I'm a very... Um, reactive human being i feel like i'm being attacked or something like that and that's a lot of that's from the physical and sexual abuse so even if somebody is trying to be helpful i think that they're coming for me um and so um with this diet though i'm very like calm and reserved and i don't know it just like kind of rolls off my back nothing really bothers me 
Um, one of the added, added bonuses of uh, uh, being carnivore too is that there's a lot of uh, people out there that understand sugar addiction. So what do they call it? They call it, there's abstainers and there's a, uh, um, uh, m- not my, moderators yeah that's the word and so you know my my uh addicted mind you know wants to live in cream cheese everything and cheddar cheese this and um you know nacho cheese everything you know i would love to live in that space of keto um you know one of my addictions today and i'm not going to lie about it even during this 30-day challenge has been peanut butter I, um, I I was doing protein sparing modified fast and uh, doing a lower fat intake on a couple days of the week and then a higher fat intake. And um, on those lower fat intakes, I was talking to Austin, who is the quality carnivore. Um, she was telling me, Batista, your macros are way too low. Like you need to be eating more protein. Well, in the middle of the night, I was only eating like about 1,100 calories. So in the middle of the night, I'm starving. So I go to the peanut butter jar. And yeah, it's just ground peanuts and salt. It's that version of it that you get at the health food store. But um, still, it's just this, I don't know, why 3 o'clock in the morning I have this sleep eating disorder. Um, And I'm sure I'm not the only one that deals with it. I even got a padlock one time on my door to lock myself in the room. So when I got up, you know, but, um, anyways, uh, today, like I said, I got four and a half years clean and sober. Um, I am now in my, my graduate program to get master's degree, to become a licensed clinical social worker. I'm interning at, um, the rehab that I went through three times as an intern there. And, uh, I do processing groups with addicts and early recovery from drugs and alcohol. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's just a journey. You know, one thing I can say, um, that I'm sure that you can relate to, and I know you're a coach, uh, there, there, there's probably going to come a space here in the future that I might be leaning on you and being like, I need to hire you because, uh, I need some help with these macros. Like, you know, in Carnivoreville, if you're not careful, a lot of people are like, uh, th- so these are red flags for me. And this is just a personal opinion. Um, intuitive eating. Um, I think it's great. I think it's wonderful. But I, I need a little bit of structure. And if I don't, because I can get out of hand, right? If someone says, eat all the meat you want, I will take them up on it and I will double down. Um, so, um, and then another thing is fasting. Um, I naturally fast. I don't do it, um, without thinking. I get up, I have my coffee, the day gets busy. You know, you get on social media, you go to work, whatever you got paperwork to do. You got, I have school assignments about three o'clock in the afternoon. I have three to three to four 30. I have my first meal. If I go to the gym, whatever, it just doesn't, I don't know. It's just kind of a natural clock thing ever since I've gone keto carnivore. Um, and then I have my second meal about seven 30. There's been nights where I've had it at nine 30. Of course, I don't go to bed till midnight. Um, I'm not the best with my sleep hygiene. Um, but um, so anywho, two meals a day, you know, I did gain weight in the beginning of carnivore. Um, I was talking to the keto, keto road 
I said to him, I go, I'm, I went up 12 pounds from my lightest. And he goes, oh my God, you're getting, what do they call it? Because um, I was doing strength training. He calls it, uh, you know, those early, those beginner gains. So I was doing strength training. He's probably like, yeah, you're getting beginner gains because you're lucky. And I'm like, oh, I started watching some of his posts and he's like, people, it's okay to gain weight in the beginning. Like you just, you're metabolically healing. I'm like, oh, this is a thing, you know? You know, you have, I, I have this really unhealthy relationship with the scale, you know? It, if the scale says I'm 200 pounds, Batista's okay. You know, like I, my temperature is being given by the, by the scale. I can now fit into my size 34, 36 pants. You know, I'm going to look good throughout the day in my profile in a mirror, like at TJ Maxx, I'm going to look good. I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. If the scale says 205 or 212, where I was like starting to go up in that direction, um, there's something wrong. What am I doing? Did I have too much egg pudding last night? Did I, you know, it wasn't the Lily's chocolates that I added on top. Was it, you know, like in my brain starts, <gasps> okay, I better, better freak out and start. Okay. I got to start bringing my, uh, my ounces of protein down and da, 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 da. And meanwhile, I'm not eating lasagna, nacho bel grande. I'm not, you know, like, my body is still getting really bioavailable nutrients. So um, it's just kind of like interesting how the journey continues, the layers continue to unfold. The nutritional advice that I get from some people. And, uh, you know, there's, um, I just love the human beings that are out there that um, are willing to give advice that have uh, been like us, you know? And what I mean by like the fat guy forum, like we've struggled. We've been at that really high end and writing you that email about my journey um, really goes to show you how many times I have gone up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Um, this is uh, not my first time doing this. And so there's this really inherent fear now that I'm clean and sober um, from drugs and alcohol that there's this really like um, fear that. I could potentially go back there. It scares the living crap yeah. out of me. Well, let's you know, and let, 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 let's give you let's give you a break for a second, because I I I what I what I I had to chuckle a little bit when you you kind of were getting towards the end of where you're at now, and you said, you know, when it's it's like a journey, it's it's everyone, you know, like everyone's got a journey, and I I'm like, okay, I want you to listen back to the past hour, and he, you know really absorb that journey because I think there's going to be people listening. Like we're not just talking about you developed, you know, I talked to a lot of guys who develop a food addiction and then kind of like go on that path. And I talked to guys that develop food addiction and current, you know, concurrent alcohol. And you have this journey where there's the, it's, it's almost like there's a baton of addiction and you, you were passing it, but like you were the relay on the race and you had all of these other team members running with you and it was like food and alcohol and meth and, and, and cocaine and like, okay, who am I passing the baton to next? And to hear you talking about now when, you, when you're talking about where you are today, that idea of being able to be focused on the, on the things that, you know, incredible, you know, four and a half years sober and coming up on really close to five, that's, that's, that's a powerful testament to that side of what you've been working on. And then also to see, okay, I also have to be aware of where food comes into play because 
there's it seems you know as the as the outside listener there's this intrinsic woven nature of all of these pieces you know like the we can go back to the trauma that you experienced when you were younger and in that the way that shapes our experiences and i think there's there's biological sides to addiction obviously you know the pathways that get burned and you know you've you met you threw you threw some words in there that i think are are powerful like that idea of of the dopamine reaction you know that you get from drugs and then you look at the studies that show there are people that have that same center flare when they eat sugar you know like there's this like this parallel that i feel like you've laid out really well for people to realize that it's not cuz i th- i think so, you know either you hear someone talk about food addiction and they usually will say you know one you have the camp where they're like food addiction is worse than any other addiction because you can't walk away from food and then there's the, you know the other side where it's like well you know food addiction you know you can it's not something that could you can overdose in one day on food like there's a, there's a lot of and and i think one of the things that your story that you've shared so far shares is that there's this gray area between where knowing that those are your challenges and those are the things that you've struggled with in a very real way you know in a very real way that says these are it's not just like you're throwing the addiction word around and saying, I've got an addiction, but I've never really been diagnosed with anything or anything along those lines. Like you're saying, these are the experiences that I lived through and where I'm at today. And there, there's power in that. There's power in that ability, one, to articulate it so well. And I, I think there probably are some people listening who are, you know, jaws drop at different things that you were able to share casually because it's your story. You know, it's your experience. Like, you know, and you know, when you hit the point where they're like, and I went to jail for two years and there are probably people who are like, wait, what? You know, how do I deal with that? Like I did, he did what with the hell's angels? Like there's these, like I even, when it, when you sent that email to me, I was like, okay, because I know, I know part of your story from our interactions on social media, but you know, I get the, I get the full email and I'm like, okay, like this is, you know, a 12 part series in a lot of ways. But I think what's really great is that openness is really great because then it leads, you know, to us to be able to talk about these things and talk about what you got what you got to there towards the end i think is something that anyone who has struggled with any form of addiction feels and that's that fear you know that fear of you know i have i i because in a lot of ways it's like keeping plates spinning you know like you've got plates in front of you that you're keeping spinning and the the fear is those plates are going to crash and it's getting to that place of of trusting yourself and being like okay if i don't you know it's not that i have to keep my hand on every plate it's that I've that they are spinning, you know. Like I'm doing the work. I'm doing the real work that keeps those plates spinning, whether my my hand is on it every second or not. Like I think that's that's a powerful piece of this. And do, where do I guess the question that comes up for me is, you know, knowing that you 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 were expressing that fear, and do you feel that that intensity of addiction travels for you, like from the different you know substances to food and even where you're at now. With yeah. Food. Well, it's, yeah, um, absolutely. Positively. Um, so it, I can cross addict, um, and they, they call it in recovery, whatever the cross addiction, right? So I can cross addict to working out. Right. So, um, in the beginning of this journey, uh, losing this last hundred or the last time losing the hundred pounds, um, I was cardio, right? And then I wasn't even looking at weights because cardio was gonna get me skinny. So I was gonna cardio, 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 cardio. Um, And then, so that becomes cross addiction. Shopping, 
you know, the whole, the good old Amazon click, you know, oops, there goes my whole paycheck. How did I click away? Um, the, the, I, me and my partner have taken uh, weekend trips down to Mesquite, Nevada, and we get a hotel room and we're just down there. We're just going to play a hundred dollars worth of nickels. And then before you know it, I'm dipping into my savings. Um, the, let's see what else, uh, sex when me, before me and my partner were together, it was, um, an anonymous sex on the sex apps, you know, um, and dopamine spike, dopamine spike. It got to a point with sex that, um, literally I was going to the doctor because I said, do I have erectile dysfunction? You know, I'm 44. I thought I had preset. She said, no, do you have a problem when you're by yourself and whatever? And I said, no, I don't. And she goes, no, you're just not into it anymore. You're not having an emotional connect with the human beings that are in front of you. She's like, you're basically, you, you know. And so, yeah, I, oh boy. Yeah, I've seen it. You know, my sponsor in Narcotics Anonymous says, your disease will manifest itself in all ways and shapes and forms in your life now that you have kind of harnessed the drug and alcohol aspect of it. And so, um it gets a little easier though, I think, because I'm more aware. And um, now that I got four and a half years off that, the, the gigantic stuff, I guess, in my life, I kind of uh, have this awareness that maybe a week into a really not so beneficial behavior, I start to nip it in the butt rather than letting it unravel into a year later, I look back and I'm like, what happened? How did I get here? You know? So... And what, when you think about that, because that one, I think that awareness is evident, like being able to build that awareness, I think is, is another thing that is, is going to be clear to anyone who's listening to you talk about it. Like, would you look back on this, this journey that you've made to where you are today? What do you think are, yeah, and this, maybe this is a cliche question, but what do you think are, are the lessons that you've learned? Like, what are the things that allow you to keep moving forward? Because I think there's a lot of times in your story where a person listening could be like, I would have just given up on, on everything at that point. Like, what do you think it is that is allowing you to keep your, your, your eyes forward and to keep yourself kind of committed to your health in all aspects? Um, oh, excellent question. Um, there's some key components, right? There's some principles in my, my opinion. You have to be honest with yourself and with others there has to be this level of accountability with yourself and with others and i think that honesty piece is gigantic because secrets keep us sick and the longer you keep the more i talk about peanut butter and i know it sounds silly but the more i talk about peanut butter on my page and my my nighttime you know sleepwalking addiction like people start coming out of the woodwork and they're like oh my god i have a bacon thing i eat bacon and hard-boiled eggs and i'm like well that's not as bad as the 200 calorie you know scoop of peanut butter and so but people are talking about like relating. And I think that honesty piece um, uh, kind of really gives you a level of transparency because the last thing that I want to do, Mike, on social media is give this facade that I am perfect. I'm not perfect. There's no, there's no silver lining per, you know, there's no like, you know, there's no end goal here. The, 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 the thing that I try to portray is that, Hey, I'm transparent. I am willing to show you my deepest, darkest secrets of molestation, drug abuse, um, prison, ex-con, 
all this stuff to show you that I, I've been there, I've walked in those shoes, I understand it. And I'm just trying to get together with a bunch of other people in our community and rally together for one another and celebrate each other's journeys and stuff like that. So that honesty piece is gigantic, right? Um, there's a couple you know, people that are really close and I'm sure you have the same connection. There's probably like, you know how you have your inner circle of people that you talk to on the daily on Instagram or, you know, and you're always checking in with you. Hey, how you doing? Or like the late night kind of conversations, you know, hey, I got a video. Before I post it, I want you to check it out. Okay, send it my way. So um, anyways, uh, you know, th those people I talk to, I, you know, hey, I outfit on right now what's your confession okay i went crazy on peanut butter last night so that honesty piece is gigantic um also willingness right willingness to get up and do it again did i have a bad night last night and did i go out for my friend's graduation from treatment and have pasta and this totally off of course than i normally do do i feel like crap did I want a blizzard afterwards? Yes. Did I get back on track the following day? The absolute, or did I fast the following day just to kind of bleed some of that stuff out of my system? Yes. So the willingness to um, to stay focused, you know, and I think another one is um, being open-minded. You know, um, there's so much information out there, Mike, and there's even now that I'm in the carnivore circle, it's it goes even, you know, I every time I get joined into a camp, it's like, did I join up to a cult or something? Cause it gets so intense, you know, there's this, there's this portion of carnivore now. It's like, don't wear sunblock because you eat more meat. You can get in the sun rays. Like, uh, you know, great. I, I bet there's truth to it, you know? Um, but it kind of can go really extreme, you know, like, um, uh, I, it's beautiful. It's very, um, it's very reminiscent of, you know, free myself from the government, free myself from, you know, be primal, you know, eat like a man, you know, like hunga, you know, carnivore. Um, but I also, here's the deal. At the end of the day, I want to have self-worth and I also want to feed my body nutrients that I can thrive on. I love um, that animal-based diet. You know, I'd love to get to a space soon that I'm having blueberries and yogurt and salad and um, whatever, that there's some balance there, um, but that the majority of my nutrition is animal-based because there is really a mental clarity. Um, but yeah, so honesty, open-mindedness, and willingness, right? Um, for me personally, spirituality is a side to it. I never, I'm not one of those. There's a lot of carnivore yogis and zen human beings and they're all into the humbada bada 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 that's good it, whatever practice you find um connects you to something that's awesome whether it be nature when you're doing getting your steps in whether it be the moon at night and maybe you say a little prayer whatever it be like um for me it's just like i think it's cool to kind of find that i have a little mantra in the morning when i wake up you know, and I thank there that I'm here today, that I'm not, you know, using drugs and alcohol and that um, I can make better choices. And I just kind of keep it simple. I don't have to go to a building or take a piece of sacrament to do it. I just do it in my room and, you know, anyhow. But um, yeah, I think it's just trying to be a little bit more 
whole. Yeah. And I think there's a wa- an awareness there in what you're saying. Like an awareness, like even when you talked about blueberries and yogurt, because I think you also, you know, a few minutes before that, we're talking about not just, not just saying I'm going to have blueberries and yogurt because I deserve to be able to have blueberries and yogurt, you know, but because I feel like I'm, I'm introducing these things in a way that works for me and I feel good and I feel good about the choices I'm making and having that awareness so it doesn't go to that place of, you know, because I think that happens sometimes with people, even if they're just dealing with food, but dealing with all addictions, like, you know, you brought up abstainer and moderator. And there are people that, you know, even when I'm dealing with new clients, like they want they want day one to say, okay, my end goal is to lose weight with keto. And then I want to be able to eat pizza. And then I want to be able to, you know, know that I can have cake and know that I can do these things. And I, and my response is you might be able to, but you also have to be open to knowing that you might not be able to moderate those things. Like you have to really be in that place of self-awareness. And that's the honesty that you're talking about. Like, I think sometimes people lack that because one, you know, and, and I feel like in so, on some levels, like I'm, I'm preaching to the choir here, but you know that people have those things that they're not being honest about with themselves. And they are things they're allowing to not be conscious truths. And they're allowing them to be, like you were saying, the secrets, allowing them to be the things. So it's, you know, and you see it on social media too, when someone's like, you see it a lot sometimes, especially in the keto carnivore space where someone's like, I'm reintroducing carbs because I want to use it for my workouts and I want to do it for this. And I want to, you know, I've got, this is a metabolic reason I'm doing it. And this, you know, they've got all the science there to say, don't at me about this. This is why I'm doing this. And then you see like two, two months later, they're like, okay, that didn't work. You know, I was not being honest about why I was reintroducing these things. I was reintroducing them because I felt like I missed them and I needed them. And I completely fell to pieces because I lacked that honesty. You know, I lacked that ability. And I can I can relate to that myself times where I'm like, well, I can handle this. I can, you know, I feel like the biggest red flag for anyone in life in any area is when you've got something that you've been challenged by, whether it's an actual addiction or just a challenge. And you start to say to yourself, you know, I'm ready to handle it. I can handle that. There's a difference between being actually ready to handle it and that that convincing we do to ourselves in the beginning. You know, I can handle this. I'm fine with it. You know, I've done it myself when I, on, on my keto journey. Like you talk about, you know, peanut butter. There are nut butters. And I, at the, when I started this show, I used to always say the nut butters that shall not be named because I didn't really want to call out a brand. But it's the legendary foods nut butters. They taste, they taste like desserts. You know, the, the pecan pie almond butter tastes like pecan pie. And I had a weekend where I bought a, bought a four pack because it was on sale on Amazon. And I'm like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to just have my measured two tablespoons and that's going to be perfect. And I can do this and I'm great. And look how powerful I am. Like, this is wonderful. And then I find myself waking up, you know, on Saturday morning and two jars are empty already. And I've got another one primed to go. And it's like, well, you know, I already had two jars. Why not have a third? Like, it's easy to convince yourself of things instead of actually... And, and sometimes we do have to be willing to take risks, you know, like that idea of introducing foods, like it's not just about being willing, you know, putting a plan in place to introduce them. It's that idea of putting a plan in place to reflect on them, you know, to reflect on these things, to actually be honest with yourself of how did I feel after that? Did I crave more? And am I craving more? Not just, and you know what? It makes sense that you might crave a little bit more, like when it's something you haven't had in a while or a taste. But am I three days later daydreaming about it? You know, is that still something that now has become an obsession? Like being honest with that is hard. Like it's really hard because then sometimes you have to admit things to yourself that you don't want to. Like those secrets 
are sometimes things we hide from ourselves. Like there are things that we're not willing to say this is becoming a problem because we want to keep it going. You know, my eating behavior is not a problem because I like what I'm getting from it. You know, I like what it's giving to me, even if I'm not consciously saying, well, you know, I enjoy all of these things, these, these wonderful benefits, these health problems I'm developing from the food that I'm eating. Like it's more, I'm, am I being realistic and honest with the things that are happening, you know, and are my, and I, I could ramble about this for hours, so I'm not going to keep doing that, but <laughs> well, I, well, no, I, I, no, I think it's well, for me. And I don't know if you can relate to it, but um, for me, um, like I, I, I have to, like, I don't know. I mean, I know where this comes from. What am I talking about? So like, let's get honest. <laughs> I gotta have a, a, a reward dessert thing nightly. And whether that's a sugar-free Werther's or whether that's, um, you know, like just have that little tiny 15 calorie sugar-free Werther's and it tastes like caramel in my mouth, or it's an, you know, a hard boiled egg, Maria Emmerich's like, you know, egg chocolate egg pudding, or it's, you know, some whatever. It's a nightly thing that like, there's this reward center in my brain. I think it's in, you know, it's in the, it's the same reward center that you get the dopamine rush from the, in the hypothalamus in the midbrain. But it's like, and it's also just interesting though, because on this 30 days that I've been doing for July, like everyone's doing the all meat, I haven't, I haven't had though that. And I wanted to see, can I go 30 days without like a keto, not a keto, but like a carnivore, what a, an all protein, or I'll have a quest shake with water, you know, to cut the calories and I don't use coconut milk or something. But anyways, it's just like sitting there and I'm also a fan of you and Aaron's like uh, um, love and for Loki and all these different, you guys have turned me on to so many things, by the way, that I would never personally watch. I was never a Marvel's like, anyways, my boyfriend is, but um, so now we have something to watch together, but I'll sit there, you know, watch the show and I'm eating and, and I'm drinking my, my quest shake or, you know, I'm having my little dessert thing and um end of the night you know and i get to have my little thing and this life is all worth it and you know that's that so it's it's just an it's an interesting um it's interesting uh these last 30 days to kind of see eliminating stuff how if, is my brain gonna you know be okay with everything and just learning um uh, one thing i'll say to you mike that i I am one of these people and a lot of people can't be like this and um, they probably have really varied opinions about this. But here's the deal. If I'm going to Las Vegas to go visit my best friend and I will try to steer him towards going to the Brazilian steakhouse where it's all you can eat meat and I'm going to really pretty much stay on target outside of maybe like a cheese roll or something like that. Um, I come home. And it's worked for me. I don't, this isn't no advice, but I come home. I know I've eaten a little bit more volume than I normally have. I've, I've maybe stopped at In-N-Out Burger and got a lettuce wrap and I don't have fries. I don't get the shake. But um, when I come home the next day, I just, I'm so kind of packed inside in my intestines with all that stuff that I don't normally eat that I just fast for the next day and I drink a lot of water and And I was exactly the same weight as I was on the day that I left to go to Vegas. So, and what that does for me is it allows me to be a human being where I'm not the, like, you know, the Karen at, uh, you know, Olive Garden, like I'm gluten-free, excuse me. 
I need everything modified on my order. And, <laughs> you know, because I was a food server for years and you're just like, insert eye roll. Okay, lady. Like, I understand. Why didn't you just stay home and cook for yourself? Um, so, you, you know, you're at a pasta palace and you're asking for gluten free. <laughs> so, anyways. Um, yeah. But I, and, you know, I, and, I, and I think with that, like one of the things that, that people do, because I think there's a difference between knowing you're making those choices and being conscious of them and the people that have a quote unquote, oh my goodness, I fell off the rails. It's time for me to fast for three days. Like I have to punish myself with this instead of saying my digestion doesn't really feel great. And I know if I go to do a 24 hour fast, I feel better. You know, like I'm letting things move through my system. You know, I'm letting that happen. There's a different, you know, and again, like in everything we're talking about, there's a difference based on kind of where the mindfulness is and where the reasoning for the decision comes from. Like talking about the way that, you know, HCG would lead you into that really restrictive disordered place is different than saying I'm making this choice because I did make these other choices that that make sense. And like and b being able to trust yourself doing that is, is a big part of the growth in the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I you know, um, there geez, what is his name? Um, there's a, a gentleman, he's a dentist and he's a carnivore. I forget his name. Um, he has a post about just coming to carnivore and there's the guy like my boyfriend who needs to lose a hundred pounds and he's coming to carnivore from a lot of really bad food choices. And uh, so he's shedding weight like crazy. And then there's me who's been on keto, HCG, Weight Watchers, you know, I, I've always, so I'm metabolically a little more messed up than my partner. And so I'm coming to carnivore and, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty much 98% zero carb. I have been at least for the last month. And um, what's crazy is I was gaining weight and I'm like, this is messed up. You know, what's going, but I loved, I think, um, you know, your coach, um, the keto road, like when he said, like in this one post, I just resonated with me, like, let yourself heal, let yourself heal. And it, and him saying that I, I don't know why, maybe it was him holding the baby. <laughs> I felt like all docile. I was like rocking in the chair with him. I'm like, oh, and he says, uh, you know, let yourself heal. And I'm like, I want to let myself heal. <laughs> and it just dawns on me that like, I metabolically, I want to heal. And I gave myself permission kind of in that moment that if I have a ribeye or I have some higher fat um, uh, protein and I'm in, I literally eat the gristle and it's, I'm enjoying it or whatever, I have veered away from adding uh, butter and ghee and stuff too because the come to find out the animal actually has enough in it you don't need to add a bunch um, in my experience um, but just I don't know like it, just let myself heal and and in letting myself heal Mike I also have recognized that um, when I do go on vacation and I make those choices um, being being mindful yeah the, on those nights me and my boyfriend will go take a special trip to Walmart and I'll have a rebel ice cream in the hotel room. And, um, I don't do it every day. When, when I was at the beginning of keto, I was having fat bombs, rebel ice cream, you know, halo top every night. That was my thing. Um, and, but now I, you know, it's a treat. And in that treat, there's like, you know, I'm on vacation. We, we went out to a steakhouse. I ate really sensibly. 
um, I'm going to have a little keto treat, you know? So um, I think just to allow myself to be human and um, I want to enjoy life. And today enjoying life um, looks a lot different than what I thought it was going to be in the beginning. When I lost the hundred pounds, like you, you have a client that eventually wants to lose the weight and go back to the old way of eating. That would be like me saying, um, I just want to use methamphetamines on the weekends. You know, that would be like me saying, you know, I just want to like shoot up a little heroin on Sunday and then go into work on Monday and everything's going to be fine. It's like, um, I think that I've come, I've come into contact with a lot of people that are very aware that if they have one bite of sugar, it's all over. Like they just go, they go crazy into it. But um, I'm not one of those people. Luckily, I can enjoy something occasionally. What I mean by occasionally is like once every three months. Um, and, uh, you know, I learn really fast. Oh, God, that doesn't feel good in the body. Oh, Lord. <laughs> there it goes. You know, that's, that's what that feels like. And I actually relate um, coming down off of sugar. Like if I've had a day full of carbs and sugar, that night, literally, I'm sweating and it's detoxing my body. And um, I relate it to like coming down off a of heroin. It's the heroin sweats. It's the same feeling. It's so, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of really interesting to, to be on this journey to kind of figure out what's healthy, what's, and how can I treat myself good and, you know, use food as nutrition. And it, it sounds like that's a process that you're, you're active in and, you, and you're being an active participant in your life as, as you move forward. And so, we we have been talking for a long time, so I don't want to keep you all day Saturday, but I do I have another question related to this and then we'll kind of move into how people can find you. But what what I'm just curious about is like thinking about, you know, that you you made that statement, you know, I just want to be healthy going forward. Like what are the things you feel what are the things you're looking forward to doing or the things that are, are coming up for you that you feel are keeping you on that track? So um I I've been a um for a long time during the keto weight loss journey I've you know whatever I've prided myself and I think that this is really um kind of it's ignorant in a way um but because a lot of my weight loss I did without exercising and I think that that's um that's good in regards to learning that the majority of weight loss or weight gain is can really be affected by what you're making in the kitchen or what you're picking up through the drive-thru or what's going through the pie hole. You know, so really a lot of the damage that I did and the recovery that I did was really food-based. Now, that being said, there's a mental health benefit uh, that I can't describe. I feel good when I go even if I go for 20 minutes to the gym and walk on the treadmill, even if I go outside and walk up the, the canyon by the river, even if I, um, you know, go in and I do 15 minutes on a circuit and like at the lowest weight and I get some reps in or I do some uh, weight assisted pull-ups or something, um, I just feel good. There's a, there's a level of feel good that I can't describe. So moving forward, I think um, for me, my goal is to start to make that more of a habit and um, less of a, you know, I did it a couple of days here and there or whatever, and then I kind of fall off the wagon or, or get sucked back into this gigantic like 
17 page school project that I'm doing. Um, so instead of making it like, okay, I, I wake up, let's go do it on an empty stomach. Let's just go knock it out. Like, even if it's 20 minutes, go drive down there. The gym's not too far away, handle it, come home and then start my day. I'd like to make that part of my daily hygiene because it just, there's just something about like feeling, you just kind of feel accomplished and you feel healthy. I don't know. That's, that's, that's my goal. I would like to define some of this. Um, you know, I talk about this openly and not everybody's into it. Some people are into it. Some people are really against it and they think that I have uh, self self issues, but um, I am looking at putting a down payment on some skin removal surgery next summer. Um, I told myself if I keep the weight off for two years and I can just maintain, then uh, I'm taking a student loan out for it. So I'll pay for it in the end. But uh, anywho, um, there's some skin skin surgery that I'm looking at, um, a tummy tuck, a male tummy tuck, and some, you know, the gynomastia. I have underarm skin and I have inner thigh skin that I would like to just kind of get taken care of. And so I talk about it primarily because I just like to be transparent. And maybe there's someone else out there struggling or that's looking at doing it, you know. So I guess to kind of normalize it. Yeah, which I think is important. Like people should be able to do the things that are important to them on their journey and the things they want. And there are some people that, you know, that skin removal is a, is a big part of the thing they're working towards. And some people who are like, no, I don't feel like it's something I need. But to look at someone else yeah. and say, well, you shouldn't do it or you should do it. It's it's like, again, yeah. worry about worry about the lawn at your house, not about my lawn. You know, like yes. worry, worry about yes, what, what yes, you need yeah. to focus on, because sometimes we focus on other people's things because that allows us to not focus on our own things. Like it's a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier. But man, I, I want to say, like, I, I just really appreciate your openness sharing yeah. everything that we've talked yeah. about today. Like, I, I think it's gone. You know, it's it's been it's going to be helpful for a lot yeah. of people to hear and also some great lessons that people can take away. Like if they want to follow along with your journey and connect with you, where can people find you? So they you can find me um, on Facebook. Um, I have I do. I just started a joyful carnivore Facebook page um, just like literally recently like in the last week um i have the joyful carnivore which is my handle at instagram um and you can also find me at batista b-a-t-t-i-s-t-a -T -T -A, uh, middle initial t last name locatelli on facebook and um so yeah for for right now those are the only places i'm looking at i don't know we'll, we'll see how life turns out but everyone and their mom is telling me, get on YouTube. And I'm like, so I'm going to add something else to the mm -hmm. plate. <laughs> like, you know, I'm in a relationship right now that we both get into the room and we're both on social media. He's watching TikTok. I'm on Instagram posting and we're not spending time together. And so we've now put a restriction that if we're in the company of one another, that uh, all phones are down and it's actually helped our relationship. We communicate better. We're, we're feeling validated. We're feeling like we're actually seeing one another. Um, because I think that addiction can also cross over to social media. So I gotta, I gotta keep that in check sometimes. And, but there's times 
late in the night that I'm just bored and I'm watching the news and I'm like, let me get on Instagram. And then two hours later, I'm like, oh my God, I got to get to bed. Well, there you go. There you go. But I, I have, you know, I have no doubts so. of your being able to handle that, man. One of the things I do is I end every episode with five questions. I call the fat guy five. Yeah. Are you ready for your run through them? Yes, absolutely. Okay, so question number one, Batista, tell us, living or dead, who is your favorite fat guy? Oh, oh God, um, geez. So he's dead. Um, the one from Caddyshack. Um, God, what's his name? Uh, well, there's uh, of course there's Dom DeLuise, mm -hmm. but um, do you know who I'm talking about from Caddyshack? I'm not sure. Um, um, God, what is his name? He ended up becoming Adam Sandler's best friend. Um, right before he passed away, he actually was a pothead. Anyways, I can't remember his name, but I'll say Dom DeLuise. Hey, there we go. That one works. Cannibal man. run. There we go. Yeah. Question number two, Batista. Tell us, what is one thing, there's someone out there, I, I'm screwing up the order of the questions, it's okay. Uh, what is one thing it's someone okay. out there who's listening wants to get started on a health journey today? What is one concrete thing that they can do? Um, I guess, um, you know, for me personally, it was getting honest with myself um, and being willing to look at that whole sugar um, that whole carbohydrate thing, you know? So for me, it was like that whole honesty of what my why is, um, that has evolved over the course of time. Uh, now my why is more about like being, uh, you know, feeding my body nutrients. Whereas in the beginning, my why was I need to look good in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Um, so, um, so I guess kind of just being honest with yourself, if, if in the beginning your why is to, to look it in the mirror, then own that, then, then be that, but, but be open to, I guess, uh, down the road to that evolving and, and morphing into, um, a different concept that honesty piece though, I think is huge. The accountability. That sounds great, man. Question number three, tell us what is one lesson that being a fat guy has taught you? <sighs> Uh, to love yourself, just to love yourself, to be kind to yourself, um, no matter where you're at in the journey, just to, um, to know that happiness is an inside job. Um, for me, you, 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 you're going to lose, I mean, I lost a hundred pounds and I was still the same human being inside. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, you know, the, the lesson got taught to me early on that you can have the nice car, you can have the nice house, you can have the bank, the money in the bank, you can have, you know, all this, the great relationship, uh, you can have the weight loss, you can have the skin surgery removal. But if you haven't worked on um, your internal happiness, then you're never really going to be happy. There's always going to be something else that needs to be fixed and something else that needs to be worked on. So I guess kind of being mindful of um, letting go of that concept that there's going to, you're going to hit a mark because when I got to the hundred pound weight loss, uh, I thought life was going to be perfect. And all of a sudden life was still life. Mm -hmm. I was just a hundred pounds skinnier and I could fit into new clothes, whoop de whoop, but I was still a hot mess in some nice clothes. So in order for me to realize that I had to like actually, um, work on, my internal happiness, you know, and stop looking for happiness outside of this body to start looking for happiness inside.
Which that's a perfect setup for the next question. Question number four, tell us, Batista, what is one thing about yourself that you love? Uh, so I'm not going to lie. I love my spirit. I don't know. I have, there's something, um, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's just some of the crap that I've been through as a kid. Um, but I magnetically draw to some of the most, um, tortured spirits and I, I am magnetically drawn to the underdog and I'm magnetically drawn to, um, you know, people that have lived through trauma and stuff like that like that and i'm extremely empathetic to what they've gone through and i uh and i feel like i can validate them really well and kind of hence why i'm going into therapy but um yeah there's something about i see um i see the spirit in other people and their their love and their lust for life or even their hate for life but um uh yeah i love my spirit and one pretty, cute, pretty awesome. <laughs> one more question for you, man. Question number five. Okay. Tell us what is one goal you have for the next year that is not health, fitness, or weight loss related? Well, um, okay. Um, so I I love to travel, and um, we just I so on sober from alcohol and drugs journey. We um, picked up a thing that Kirstie Alley talked about a long time ago when she got clean off of cocaine. She used to fill her house full of roses. And so she would spend the money she would spend on cocaine on roses. And so she'd come home to this beautiful rose garden. Anyways, my thing is I'm not spending money on drugs and alcohol anymore. So now let's like, let's take vacations. And so um, we're planning a trip to DC and the East coast. We're going to South Carolina, Savannah. We're going to North Carolina to Beaufort or Beaufort and Beaufort, South Carolina. We're uh, going to Virginia, Virginia beach. But um, my goal would be that's not health or food or nutrition related um, would be that when I graduate, which is going to be in the next year um, that we we're going to go to Thailand and Australia. So we're going to finally take our travels out of the country. Nice. Yeah. Well, I, I have no doubt you're going to make well, all of I don't of know these. if I told you this, nope. though. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I didn't tell you this, Mike, but I won tickets to KetoCon. To which KetoCon? Which? The KetoCon. The one in October in Vegas. Oh, the Vegas Keto Expo. Okay, yeah. It's it. Yeah. Yeah. KetoCon is a very specific event in Austin in June. So I'm like, they gave away tickets. I didn't see that. Oh. Yeah. So that's awesome. Okay. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just found out yesterday. Somebody awesome. texted me and said, you won. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. So I'm excited. I, I just want to say a big thank you for coming on the show today and being willing to share your experience and, you know, put yourself out there for people to connect to you. So just really, man, a, a big, big thank you from me. Yeah. Thank you for being a light in on this journey. Like your your light has shown me that of course you know like initially you're grab you get pulled in by those before and after pictures of you and you're like my goodness right but then you get to know you on a different level and then of course i love i love 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 the funny you that you and aaron do your low-key thing and so learning um through your journey, I obviously, I think initially, I listened to a podcast with you and Sarah, the carnivore yogi, and um, 
you were talking about how like if I made a, a mug cake every day, you know, like that you can't live that way, you know, that there's all these keto desserts out there that eventually becomes crazy. And I, I don't know, I've, I've learned little tricks and how to um, be a healthier version of me um, between you and your coach and, and Aaron. And so anyways, I'm just I'm really grateful that you were willing to have me on. And thank you for being a friend. Well, thank you. And again, if anyone wants to connect with Batista, I'm going to have his information in the show notes for this episode. If you want to connect with me, you know you can find me at Gourmet Goes Keto on Instagram. You can also go to theketoroad.com to find out more about the blogs I'm writing and coaching and all those fun things. And then, of course, my friends, remember, you are the most amazing people that I know. So I want you to go out there, do something today to amaze yourself, and then come on back and catch us on the very next episode of the Fat Guy Forum.